0: Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blake Slate, and boy do we
1: have a show for you today. We're going to be talking about of a Nation, and Blinky Bill, the movie, and also talking about some of our favorite Halloween movies. Right now, I'm here with a very special woman. She is the founder of the Coalition for Quality Children's Media and also Kids First. She is a wonderful and dear, and she puts all these shows together. It's the wonderful Randy Levy who's on the show today. Thank you so much, Randy. For, well, I guess you kind of have to be here, so might as well interview you.
2: Hey, I am really glad to be here, Kiefer. I, I haven't been on the show in... Oh, gosh, I can't remember how long. It's been over a year, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, well, it's happy to have you on the show. So, we're going to be talking about the auditions uh, for Kids for Swim Critics in L.A. So, tell us about the event and what kids can expect when auditioning.
2: Well, um, we've been doing some live auditions around the country. We just did an audition in Miami, um, I think, two weeks ago, well, in late September, And uh, at the Derail Academy, where Brandon is an alma mater, Um, and uh, we brought in eight new Kids First reporters from Derail. Let's have a little heads up on that. So they will be joining us in the next couple of weeks, and we haven't done a live, live audition in Los Angeles in some time, and we haven't done a boot camp there for several years either, so... We thought that this was the perfect opportunity to do that. And fortunately, DreamWorks has given us space on their lot for the audition. So November 4th, put that on your calendar, we will be looking for kids from the greater L.A. area between the ages of 8 and 17 to come to DreamWorks and uh, possibly become a member of the Kids First team.
1: Now, uh, when I first auditioned for this for being kids first, I sent a uh, two hundred written, two hundred word review on ET, and also sending a video review you uh, long ago. And yeah, I am here today. So, what can, um, what do kids, what should kids expect and prepare when they go to the live audition?
2: That's a good question. Uh, they do need to register for the audition. So they need to go to our website. We will have a banner up on the homepage tomorrow. Uh, We just got final approval from DreamWorks. And uh, nobody will be allowed onto the lot, unfortunately, unless they are registered. We, You know, security is very tight on all the lots. So they have to be registered as well as uh, whoever will be there with them, their parent or guardian. And they will need to submit a 200-word written review. They don't have to send a video review. We're actually going to be videotaping them at the audition and uh, we'll be coaching them as well. Well, perfect. And I remember when we did the first boot camp, um, I, I went to attend a boot camp. I'm
1: thinking for, like, a boot camp, you're, you're doing push-ups, you're watching movies, and you're, you're our Drill Sergeant Randy Levy over here. But no, it's actually a, a fun <laughs> event where we get to um, train uh, our, our critics and to be able to – it's almost like a nice, nice welcoming of, our, of critics, old and new – uh, it's, it's a great event, and thank you very much, DreamWorks, for allowing us to have a space there to audition.
2: Yeah, it's very kind of them to give us the space... Um I talked to a couple of the other studios and it's been very, I mean, all the rules have changed so much since we have done this in the past and it's so complicated for anybody to allow us onto their lot anymore and fortunately, DreamWorks doesn't have as many restrictions as the other studios do. Well,
1: certainly. Now, um, talking about preparation for the kids, what about the parents, like for, if, if your kid gets in, what would you say your advice for the parents to support their children in this
2: in this program? You know what? That's a very good question, Kiefer, Because uh, as you know, the 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 parents are really your everything. When you're a kid's first reporter, they're your chauffeur, they're your customer, they're your um, camera person, your support staff. Um, of course. More so for younger kids than for older kids. When Once kids have a driver's license and can get themselves to events on their own, the parents aren't quite as intricately involved. But um, for any child who is not driving, that means that the parent is going to really have to be responsible for taking care of all of those things.
1: Definitely. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blake Slay, and today we're going to be talking about the films *Booth of a Nation and Blinky Bill, the movie also talking about our favorite Halloween films. We're going to continue our conversation with Randy Levy about the audition, live audition, in L.A. for being a Kids First Film critic. And we were just talking about how the parents are involved in pretty much for the younger kids. They're your camera person, they're your driver to events. And for the longest time, I, I, I applaud my mother very much for helping me out because she was my biggest support during this. And uh, parents really need to be supportive during this and guide their children. But also let them, in in my opinion, let them figure stuff out on their own. Let them create their questions and um, guide them, but don't do everything for them because this is a great learning experience for them.
2: That's absolutely true. We do teach the kids in their online training how to use their voice recognition software on their smartphones or their tablets, which makes it so much easier for the younger kids. I'm thinking like our eight, nine-year-olds who, uh, you know, they're not accustomed to writing 400-word reviews like we do. So uh, we show them how to use their voice recognition software to make that easier for them. And uh, not only are they relieved, but I think their parents have a huge sigh of relief because until that point, the parent thinks I'm going to have to be writing this for my kid. <laughs> yeah, you know? Definitely. Yeah.
1: And now, when I first got in here, I I almost didn't because it was January. Uh, no, it was it was like December 31st, like oh, New Year's Eve, and my mother and I are like scrambling to, like, send in the video review, like, hours before it's due, and because we, we I was unsure if I want to even be in it, and so it took, like, it, this process, we were just scrambling, scrambling it just to send this out, and I'm glad I did. So, for the kids out there, and even the parents, who are maybe skeptical about joining Kids First because they're unsure if they want to make the commitment, what would, what advice would you give to them for the people who are unsure of joining?
2: Well, I should really kind of toss that back to you and Brandon, I suppose, uh, since both of you have been with us for some time. But I I think that the kids who are most satisfied with being a kid's first reporter are those who truly are filmophiles in their own right. And probably, I don't know, maybe 80 to 90% of them see themselves working in the entertainment business in some way, shape, or form uh, as an adult. And so they find the experience of uh, working as a Kids First film critic incredible training uh, in terms of um, really evaluating and assessing films, um meeting talent on the red carpet, connecting people. Let, let me throw it back to you. What have you learned in the... How many how years have you been at Kids First Film Creek? Th- three? We're
1: sh- going on four now.
2: That's what and I thought.
1: I, it's been, what really got me to Kids First is that, again, I'm a, movie, I'm a movie geek, and my mother and I always go to the movies all the time. And for me to be able to have almost a career to just go out and see movies and just talk about them... Was great, but but in the beginning of it, of all and kids was stomach a lot. I've always thought being a film critic is you go see the film and then you complain about it because that's what it seems like. That's how it is being a critic if you complain about movies, but that's just not the case. We it's I've learned to fully analyze film and see films for more than just it's good. It's just a it's a good film. It's good acting. It's more the why of like why is the film? Why do you enjoy this film? And as you mentioned before. We all are, like, film geeks in some respect. Jerry Orris, who's been doing this for as long as I have, is very much on the sci-fi. I'm very much on the comedy, at least. I, I love the comedy movies. Um, Re- Raven, was a uh, veteran on this, um, Raven Durante, she was the horror movie gal. Girl, girl. She loved horror movies, and she was the kind of person to go see horror movies. So, in a way, we, as a community, we all found what we, our niche was as film critics and talking about films and talking on radio shows and writing them and being doing video so yeah it's taught me a lot and it's definitely been the best experience of my life joining Kids First so uh, yeah anything else you want to talk about the audition process that for anybody who wants to go to it
2: I should say that uh, we're limited to 50 kids at the audition because we can't have any more people on the lot than that um and we're looking to add uh, between around ten kids uh, at this time. But we're going to give anybody a chance who's very really serious about joining our national team. We definitely have a need for some bi- more bilingual kids, which we're emphasizing in our call for um, reporters. In L.A. because we're working on a uh, television show that is bilingual featuring our reviews in both Spanish and English so that's going to be something that um, uh, I mean you don't have to be bilingual in order to join the team but we're going to definitely give extra consideration to anybody that is bilingual. Definitely we, we need more people uh, bilingual
1: film critics well, thank you so much, Randy, for talking with us. It's always great talking to you. Be sure to go register on kidsfirst.org as soon as possible, and go check us out on the website. But for more information, it's going to be on November 4th. monkey calendars, ages 8 to 17, and we're going to be at the DreamWorks Glendale campus. Uh, let's take a break. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions.
4: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You
0: are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
1: Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we did, just got done talking about the L.A. auditions for Kids First Film Critics. We're also going to be talking about our favorite Halloween movies. Right now I'm here with the wonderful, the man, the myth, the legend, Willie Jones, talking about Birth of a Nation. This film has been getting a lot of attention for the cinematic world lately, and we're about to talk about it. So, um really, I mean... I've seen the film. Have at it, my friend. This is you.
5: <laughs> um, Birth of a Nation, what can I say? It's it's a very good movie, but unfortunately, um, people aren't going to appreciate the movie itself because of the man behind the movie yeah. and the recent allegations with him.
1: Yes, there are recent allegations towards um, Nate Parker, but... For the people who are aware of those allegations or not, I still say for this film, you should take a man you could take away away the private life and just admire them for the professionalism. I admire Nate Parker as the professional filmmaker in this film. Same way I, I admire Mel Gibson as a filmmaker or Roman Polanski as a filmmaker. All three of those have some allegations towards them in their private life. But again, I feel like you should just it's hard to. I can totally understand it, it's hard to, but you need, I think, as a moviegoer and as a lover of cinema, as you and I are, we want to just take our mind away from the private life and just enjoy the film for its for its quality, uh, and rather than the things leading up to it. So, um, with that said, Willie, really, uh, this is a very, t- I would say, a very tough film to watch. Uh, what would you say? How how is this film? Uh, Besides the allegation to the the filmmaker, how has this film stirred more attention for even its subject matter, and why is it
5: important? Well, it is it's a difficult task when you take um, a movie dealing with slavery. Just like it's a difficult task dealing with movie, you know, making a movie that deals with World War Two or or the Holocaust. You know, these these are reoccurring um, reoccurring settings for films we've seen so many times throughout history, and. When you're making a film like that, you really just want to implement your voice. And I think that's the biggest success with this movie is that Nate Parker implements his voice. He doesn't try to imitate Tarantino or or Steve McQueen or anyone like that. He he sticks to his passions and his guns. And that, and that movie is a representative of his identity, especially considering it's his directorial debut.
1: Definitely. And actually, just recently I saw Nate Parker in The Great Debaters. Uh, which is a Denzel Washington film, which is a, another showing of his performance, but also this film he directed, he wrote, he performed all this, and yet he, I think it was Nate Parker's direction and performance that really fueled this film. So let's talk about this, since this was originally an independent film that took a long time for Nate uh, Nate Parker to create, and now it's been bought by a big studio. Uh, w- what does this say for the for the independent cinema universe?
5: Well, independent cinema, of, as of late, has been the, the, the kind of cinema that people are actually wanting to go see, which is wonderful, considering where indie films were in the 90s when Tarantino started the whole trend and everything, seeing where it is now. I think it's wonderful, but I think it also more or less speaks to the fact that subject matter is very important and the ability mm-hmm. to sell your movie not only to viewers but to award circuits as well. Um, if this movie weren't as awards friendly, if you will, as it is, I'm not so sure it'd be picked up for the price it would be, or it'd be as 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 hot of a film for the studios.
1: Oh, well, definitely. But I feel like what really what I I'm glad independent films are getting more attention, uh, especially the subject matter that's being brought here. And you mentioned it has been shown in cinema cinema before. But what made this film different, I think it's because it was independent, it had more freedom, in a sense, because you, they were able to, a studio did, was not riding on their back saying, like, I don't feel like we can show this. They, they, show, they didn't refrain from showing things. They showed a lot of the horrific imagery and graphic uh, events that happened during this time period. So how does this speak to what we show in
5: films nowadays? Um... I- I think this, I don't, how do I put this? The thing is, I actually feel that this movie is more cinematic than it, than it says it's not. Um, I don't think it's, it's as necessarily edgy or, or violent as a lot of people are making it out to be. Now, it is graphic, but, you know, and I don't mean to do this, but comparing it to something like 12 Years a Slave, yeah. Which was raw, which was com- completely and u- utterly ethereal. It had, to me, no cinematic traces at all. There was nothing pretty, there was nothing rhythmic about 12 Years a Slave. Whereas with Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation, I could see some of the um, effects of wanting to sell and wanting to make money in it.
1: I would disagree that, uh, respectfully, that 12 Years a Slave is cinematic because the. As much as I empathize with Nate Parker, I if, and again, we're comparing it to Trovia's Slave, which I feel like is unfair during, with the circumstances, but I felt so much more for Solomon, um, who is the main character, Trovia's Slave, when he looks into the camera and he just stares. Solomon's stare. That, to, to me, was cinematic. There were moments like that that was emotionally cinematic. Maybe not visually, but emotionally cinematic, which I feel like Birth of a Nation does as well. Visually, but maybe not initially on the emotional, rather than with its um, graphic, uh, rather than its graphic um, imagery that sparks some of the emotion. Uh, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and today's show is sponsored by Finding Dory DVD and Blu-ray release. We're also going to be talking about our favorite Halloween films. So, uh, really, do you want to respond to what I
5: said about um, the Twelve Years a Slave being a bit more cinematic? I I, I do. Um, Twelve Years a Slave was to me, above all else, I think it was a character study. I think mm-hmm. it used slavery as the backdrop to study Solomon Northup and to really have us empathize with a man whose world gets turned upside down. Whereas The Birth of a Nation is a movie rooted in a deep passion. I don't think it was a character study so much of our, our protagonist as much as it was um, this, this story that he wanted to tell and which characters were in it, not in which characters drove it. And so, to mm-hmm. me, to me, that 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 requires a more cinematic approach. Like in the more dramatic moments in *Birth of a Nation*, you would hear the big score in the background. It, it looked prettier and glossier in some areas. There were some lines written in the script, some of the dialogue deliveries, that just sounded like they were Oscar clip lines, you know. Whereas in *12 Years a Slave*, I didn't get as much as that from it. So, going back to that, do you feel like
1: there are attempts to try to, make, well, I, I don't think the word is forced, but there are clear attempts for Oscar-biting lines. Did it take you away from the film because of, cause you, can, you can point out the attempts of trying to get an Oscar or trying to get an accolade of some sort?
5: Oh, no, not at all. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it takes away from it um, at all. I, I think the only reason it would take away from it is because of the controversy with the Oscars the past two years. Certainly. If it weren't for that controversy the past two years, I don't think that this movie would be nearly as condemned for its Oscar baiting, quote unquote. Because let's face it, most most movies released today that are done by the big studios are for Oscar bait. It's a part of mm-hmm. the campaign season. The campaign season. Is starting, but the artist behind it, Nate Parker and his cast and his crew, I assure you, didn't make this movie for an Oscar because you know you, you, you just can't, it's, it's too much of a risk to try to do that. Well, definitely. I,
1: I don't believe that. I don't believe that Nate Park... I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but I don't believe that Nate Parker made this for that. Uh, he, he did say in an interview once that he it was in response to the Oscars so wide, but I still don't believe that's what fueled him to make this movie. It was... It, what fueled him to make this movie was to tell the story and to show a piece of history, uh, this dark part of history. So, I, don't, I do agree. Uh, I feel like that this film... Does deserve a lot more, a lot of attention. I feel like people should still go see it. What would you say about since it is it is early in the awards season? uh, If it was to get like nominated, what what would you want to be like nominated for? Um, gosh. If you even wanted to be
5: nominated, it's a very well made movie. It's a really good directorial debut. But aside from costumes. I don't really, I don't really see it being nominated for anything. Perhaps cinematography, um, maybe score. But as far as the big eight, as far as screenplay, no, because I feel the screenplay is actually its weakest component. Agreed. Um, actor, perhaps actor. Nate Parker does a wonderful job. Um, but as far as director, no, because there were still some directorial uh, mistakes that I saw in there. Just little nitpicky things. Yes, but when you're talking about being nominated for something as prestigious as that with other veterans coming out this year at top notch, I don't think you can have leeway. And as far as the best picture, if we're doing the, the expanded 10, 10 picture um, category, then yeah, I can definitely um, see it being nominated and think it might even deserve a nomination. I would agree that even like, even the screenplay, is, which was done by
1: Nate Parker as well, was a little bit lacking at some times, but I would agree with those with those categories definitely and again it's early in the season there's still so many films coming out and you never know time will tell well thank you so much willie for talking about birth of a nation it's always a pleasure
5: thank you for having me I had
1: a great time certainly uh, go check out birth of a nation deserves some more attention let's take a break i'm your host keefer Blakesley, and this show was sponsored by finding dory the blu-ray and dvd release
4: No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice T R N.
0: You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
6: Hey, welcome back. I'm Brian Silla and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the uh, new Kids First members and the auditions. We've also talked about Birth and a Nation. Right now, we're going to do a different segment. We're going to be talking about Halloween movies since Halloween is coming up in a, you know in a week or so. Uh, we have Kiefer and Willie joining us for the discussion. How are you guys doing?
5: I'm very, I'm very happy to be here. I'm great. How are you?
6: All right, awesome. So just you know, let's just get into it. So, um, guys, what are your, what are your, some of your or you know, one in particular, favorite? Uh, horror movies or Halloween movies? Uh, for instance, uh, that are kids first friendly.
5: By the way, uh, Willie, would you like to take this one? <laughs> oh, please, after you. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, um, I I love Halloween films. It's that's the best thing I love about holidays coming up. Is just there's just so many films to check out. Some of my personal favorites are like Adam's Family. I grew up with this film. It's a 1991 film. Um, Barry Sonnenfeld and starring Raoul Julia, the late Raoul Julia. And it's just, it's a great adaptation. It's got very hilarious, it's got hilarious comedy. It's got all the quirks. It's everything ooky and spooky about the Halloween season. And another one that I just want to quickly mention that I loved watching that I feel like is an underrated film is Monster House. It's this animated film that's, now we would kind of say is like the before Stranger Things. It's <laughs> uh, about these <laughs> group of kids who are, this the group of kids uh, who are in the neighborhood and this house that comes alive and there's this dark secret behind it. it's a very intelligent film for a, a for what we consider a kids film or preteens. It's peer and it's got a lot of uh, great comedy, beautiful animation, even some film noir kind of ho- homage uh, homage or homage to it. So those are the like two films that come to mind when I go see Halloween.
6: And, Willie, uh, where are some of yours?
5: Um, it's never Halloween in my household, well, at least my room, um, unless I'm watching Young Frankenstein. Young yeah. Frankenstein is an absolute classic. 1974, it's, it's Mel Brooks satire at its best. Obviously, it's a satire of Frankenstein and The Bride of Frankenstein. And it just, it's so many elements. It's, it's comedy, it, it's horror, it's satire, it's noir, and it's interesting because i've had this ongoing debate with so many people um for example like die hard is die hard a christmas movie i'm like no it's not a christmas movie young frankenstein is definitely a halloween movie despite the fact there's nothing scary about it except maybe gene wilder's mustache may he rest in peace
6: (laughs) 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 oh man Uh, uh, young frankenstein is probably one uh like Probably like third or fourth as far as most quotable movies in my house because, you know, we're we're huge fans of Mel Brooks and by God he he wrote that movie so well and it was just it's just so funny. Another one, you know, a couple that I want to throw out there, uh, Monsters Inc. Uh, I mean, I saw it. Uh, God, I was I was probably in kindergarten or maybe younger when I saw it, and you know, watching it now, it's still entertaining and still like you mentioned about Monster House. It's a movie that is still entertaining and fun to watch, and uh, a horror movie. I want to throw out there. I'm not no. I don't know if this is necessarily Halloween based, but it's certainly a horror movie. Jaws. It's um. It's an absolute classic, and another another like undeniably quoted movie in my house. And just from the way that it was made, and from the way that it was directed with Steven Spielberg, and It's, it's just a, it's one of those movies that will always stand out as far as great movies that you think of. So, you know, that, that's for me guys.
1: Well, I want to throw in a question out here. Like, what do you guys constitute as like, maybe like a Halloween movie? Like it doesn't have to be like a certain like elements, but like something that is that a movie to you that represents Halloween and that you, you just feel like you have to watch during this um, spooky season.
6: Well, I guess as far as Halloween, um, it would—I guess it would constitute a movie that you would watch around Halloween, whether it's a horror movie or a movie about Halloween. Um, you know, going back to Jaws, uh, you know, I'll try not—I'll try not to so much, but um, <laughs> around July Fourth time, we make it a habit of watching Jaws uh, in my house because it's around the time of July—it's uh, around time of July Fourth. It's July Fourth weekend, so I guess uh movies and and then the typical horror movies as well i guess would make for a halloween movie the slasher films uh ghost uh movie movies about ghosts and stuff like that i guess would constitute that
5: yeah really? uh piggybacking off of that i i just think any movie that epitomizes what halloween is and and to me halloween horror you know and and all of that gory stuff and, and and more so, just lighthearted scares, you know, ghosts and ghouls and the ridiculousness of you know, you know of the fantasies, which is why things like Young Frankenstein and Beetlejuice and, Beetleju- and Monster and Monster House work, because they're not they're not trying to scare you, you know what I mean? They're they're just lighthearted hearted horror. They're, it's good fun, and I think that's the spirit of Halloween, and I think that's what makes a Halloween movie.
6: Def- I would definitely agree with you, Willie. Uh, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice of America Kids Network. Today we're talking about the Kids First auditions. We're also talking about Birth of a Nation. And right now we're talking about Halloween movies just in general. So, guys, I want to throw this one out there. Favorite quote from a Halloween movie or, I guess, horror movie, but more like a Halloween movie.
5: Ooh, that's tough. Uh, Favorite quote? Oh, my gosh.
6: Poor um. on rich. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, uh, that's
5: that's always quotable. Uh. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll just walk around school randomly and just say my name is Frankenstein. <laughs> uh,
6: <laughs>
5: I, 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 I don't know. I mean, Monsters Inc. is imminently quotable from from you know the moment the film opens until it closes. Um, man, this is this is difficult. Really? Um, I think you're gonna need a bigger boat going back to Jaws. Yeah.
1: Adam's family. I have a friend of mine who love like Adam's family. We we love the Broadway production and also the films. And every time we see each other in the hallway, we're like Calamia, Mo And it's that <laughs> <laughs> just, we adore Adam's family so much. And there's just so many like really weird quotable lines like Do you have little do you have the little girls room? Yes, but we let them all out. I'm like <laughs> I, I think that's part
6: sure. of it. I think that's part of it about, uh, like you said, the this. I guess the stupidity of it. But I guess for me, um in going back to uh, Jaws and Young Frankenstein, with Young Frankenstein, it's you know anything between uh, Igor and Dr. Frankenstein. You know the part of like, oh, your hump. What do you? What are you talking about? Your hump. It's in a different place. What hump? Uh, he just goes, alright. Never mind, you know stuff like that. Um, with Jaws, you go in the cage. Cage goes in the water. Sharks in the water. Our shark. Farewell and adieu. That's one. That's just a quote that always sticks out to me, man. And another one, another iconic one. Uh, six, I see dead people. You know. Oh yeah. That one. Good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think it. I think that's part of it. Uh, I think that's just what makes uh, these movies so great. And going off from that, what do you think makes Halloween movies so good?
2: I think it's asking oh, like what I, makes.
5: Um... I'm sorry, Willie. You continue. Oh no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I had nothing to say. I was just trying to spitball. <laughs>
1: Uh, I think it's like asking what what makes Christmas movies so good. It's almost like in, like, Christmas season, it's like it gets you in the mood for the this, this season. Like, whenever I watch – whenever I get in the mood for Christmas, I want to watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life and, like, the, the, the humanity and the goodness towards men and women. It just, like, it gets you in that warm-hearted feeling. For Halloween, on the other hand, it gets me in that kind of, like – I love – Halloween's my favorite holiday of all time because it makes you – It shows out your weirdness. And like directors like Tim Burton or like productions like Leica Studios who create the stop motion films like Coraline and Box Trolls and Paranorman, who are very, who always produce some very creepy stuff as well, they just get you in the mood and they show your weirdness, like your strange side. You're able to dress up as somebody you're not. And that's what's great about Halloween. It's just like you—you you show your dark and creepy side, and these movies kind of bring it out of us. Like in Beetlejuice, you laugh at some of these like very goy. Like in when they're molding their faces in the in Beetlejuice, you laugh at that. What you, you didn't? What did you laugh at that? Because it's like it's oh, it's it's the ghost. It's horror, but it's not. It's that's what I feel like makes a good horror. Uh, that's why we love Halloween movies because it gets you in the mood for this spooky time.
5: I mean, yeah, I suppose that's a part of it. But I, I think that I don't consider Halloween necessarily a major holiday like Christmas. So to me, there's no mood that needs to be invoked because Christmas is like an entire season. You know, uh, it, an entire month is wrapped around it, whereas an entire week or so is wrapped around Halloween. I think the epitome of a Halloween movie or what a Halloween movie is supposed to do is to really just have a good time. I, I think that's really all it is, not necessarily in the sense of, of you know, a fun like Adam Sandler good time, like you said, it'd be like a Tim Burton good time, but even someone like Roger Corman, or, Dang. you know, you, yeah, or you watch a move, uh one of the 30s universal horror movies, I, you know, I think you have a good point though, Kiefer, that it is supposed to emphasize or help you bring out your weirdness or your strange qualities, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a wonderful way of putting it, because when I think of Halloween, I think of weird. That's the word
6: that comes to mind. Man, Willie, you just dissed uh, Kiefer's favorite holiday. You guys are about to fight.
5: <laughs> Not yet. We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> oh, later, later.
6: <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I think, yeah, that that that's just what makes um, it so great as far as making films that are just weird and odd and different. I think that's what encapsulates halloween films i think that's what encapsulates halloween so you know thank you guys for for joining me thank you for uh, being here for this good segment
5: of course thanks for having me have a great time
6: all right uh, let's take a break i'm brand Sulla, and you're listening to kids first coming attractions
3: the future of online tv is here
4: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
6: Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm Brian Zella, and you are listening to Kids First Filming Attractions. Uh, we've been talking about the Kids First auditions. We we're talking about Birth of a Nation. We also had a little fun discussion about Halloween movies. But right now, we're talking again uh, to Kiefer about Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, and let's just let's just get right into it. Uh, Kiefer, what's this movie about?
1: Well, first of all, I'm going to have the last laugh in the last segment. Halloween is totally a major holiday in my household. It is, <laughs> the- All right, I had the last laugh. Let's go into the segment. Uh, Miss Perky's School for Peculiar Children is, of course, based off the uh, the acclaimed novel. And it's pretty much about a young boy uh, played by Asa Butterfield who goes into a – what they call a, a – time- it's like a it's like a little – the time has been frozen. It's a it's frozen-in-time little place. I forgot what they're called. And he learns about like time this paradox? magical place – Not paradox, but something around that. And it's a world full of peculiar children with their different abilities – It's kind of like a school for peculiar... It's like uh, uh, Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. It's kind of like that for X-Men. But in here, it's Tim Burton's peculiar children. They have all these little things about them. Some of them are able to project their dreams. Some of them are able to float because they're full of air. All these different kind of peculiarities. But they are threatened by these monsters that uh, feed off of these peculiar children. Not just uh, feed... To go more detail, they feed off their eyes. That's very graphic. But it's very Tim Burton-esque, and they have to stop these monsters and save the children.
6: So you mentioned that it's about uh, the peculiar children. Is it is it a kids film, or is it <laughs> is it just wrapped around like you know the peculiar children?
1: Asking like if a Tim Burton film is a kids film is hard because it depends on your parents. Because Tim Burton always pushes the envelope. I think of like Nightmare Before Kids, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas as a kids film, but even some of like the stuff in there can be like some some kids get scared with like the Halloween scenes. Beetlejuice I think is a kids film, but even that has some crude humor. Uh, this film is one of his more light-hearted films. It's it's very much on the beauty of it all and. The only thing is The Monsters, which was hilariously played by Samuel L. Jackson. The Monsters can get, like, are, are pretty freaky. And when I went to go see it, I got some young kids who were crying in the theater. And some kids can't handle it. So, is it a kid's film? It depends on what you consider like, a kid's film. I think that the age range for this could be around, at, at uh, the lowest, could be, like, seven. I think seven-year-olds can definitely handle it. There was some, like, dark, like, moments. But... Uh, uh, parents, beware, because there was some very dark moments, and even some kind of scary imagery.
6: I see. So it's one of those films that I guess kids would like kind of have to look away in certain parts, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And it also is PG 13, but I usually, when I, with me and PG 13 films, I feel like if a kid can handle it, they can handle it. So just make sure to t- word of mouth, talk about it. There were some scary images, but I feel like some kids can handle it.
6: So you mentioned that uh, Tim Burton directs uh, this movie. So then in that aspect, is it, not, you know, not to use the word typical a lot, but is it a typical uh, Tim Burton film that's, like, that's odd? And as far as how it's filmed, it's, it's odd? Would you say that?
1: I mean, it has Tim Burton written all over it. And even with this, since it is adapted from a book, if you were to give me this book and I read it and – I was supposed to pick the director for it. I would usually I would pick Tim Burton because this is just his up his alley. Uh, he's known for taking making our world like the normal world look boring and for making the peculiarities and like the the weird people look amazing. He's he's does a great job at doing that. But what I say is his most like his best directed film. Not really. I would even dare say it's one of his weakest films. Uh, Disregarding *Planet of the Apes* and even his *Charlie and the Chocolate Factory*, but I—I I would say it's not a terrible film. I think it's a fairly—it's an—it's an okay film by Tim Burton, and I feel like it's not necessarily all his fault. I feel like even the writing was lacking, and even some of the acting was lacking at some points. But overall, it's just a—it's a fun film.
6: Kiefer, we don't speak about *Charlie and the Chocolate Factory*, remember? I
1: know. Oh, I'm sorry. Especially since Gene Wild—especially Gene is Wilde's passing. I'm sorry. That's. <laughs> <laughs> blasphemy uh, <laughs>
6: so um who do you identify with because i look at the cast and i say wow there's a lot of names in there you said samuel jackson uh eva green judy dench so as far as characters go who do you identify with
1: i think a lot of us can identify with like asa butterfield's character because he feels like he's he doesn't he's not connected with the world he lives in um because everyone just treats weird people differently. And then when he goes to, to Miss Pedigree's home, it, she feels like he's right at home. Because it's full of people who are peculiar. If I wanted to, like, actually like identify with an actual peculiar person, uh, there's this one character who's able to project his dreams through his eye, which is really cool. But he's got a great fashion sense, by the way. And he's kind of like this very... Um, He's he's a very polite young man and everything. And I kind of identify with him because he's just that kind of person. If I would have a peculiarity, I would love to project my dreams. I mean, I would be like a built-in movie projector. That would be amazing.
6: Built-in movie j- projector. All right, cool. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice of America Kids Network. Today we're talking about the Kids First auditions, uh, Birth of a Nation. We had a little Halloween discussion. And right now we're talking about Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. So you mentioned the the other character um, about projecting the dream. So as far as any side characters go, are there any ones that stood out as far performance-wise?
1: I loved Eva Green, Green's character. I, When you look at the silhouette of her with the pipe and her hair, I mean, she is Miss Peregrine. She has this... Posh. Very, she's uh, she could she's has this like she's on a timely basis. She's has she has a schedule to run and she's she's always on the run. You never see her like I don't feel like you ever see her like sitting down. She just she's going. She's always on the move. And I love characters like that. She's she's a fun character to work with, and uh, she she was one who really stood out to me, in, uh in this film, she her performance was so just great.
6: Going away from characters for a bit. So you mentioned that this is not uh, Tim Burton's best film. So, would you say that this is an average film? Would you say that it's just making par? What would you say about this film?
1: Well, to say that this is not Tim Burton's best, it's not supposed to be insulted insult at all, because Tim Burton, look at his lineup. He has made some of them uh, amazing films, some films that have been made an indelible mark in the cinema history of Edward Hands and, of course, Beetlejuice. So that's not supposed to be a put-down in any way. Uh, I feel like, at, at best, it's average for Tim Burton's standards, because... I have a love-hate relationship with Tim Burton now because he made such original content. And nowadays, he's only doing based off books, based off true stories, based off of making remakes with Charlie Chocolate Factory. I know I mentioned it again. Planet of the Apes. um, Big Eyes, which I love Big Eyes. I love Big Eyes. I think Big Eyes is an amazing film. But again, it just goes to show you that he's just making... Adaptations, and I want to see him go back to his roots, making original content like Edward says, or handsome Beetlejuice. I feel like he's just become a studio director. He's there to be—he's just there to make the movies. He's not there to make these unique films anymore. And I—and I—I say that. I know that sounds mean to say, but I say that because I—I I adore Tim Burton Lamar, and he is an immensely talented visionary director. And I just want to see him. Come back!
6: Oh no, a studio director. Oh no. Um, so, you, so, we're talking about Tim Burton. So, what are the visuals like of this movie?
1: A lot of them, it's it's your your CGI, um, which are really good CGI by the way. When I, I, that's not meant to be a put down. A lot of the, the monsters are very creative and they kind of, they, they look kind of like but I think it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be this kid's kind of this, um, it's a kid's kind of a kid's, it's kind of a kid's film. So it's, it's not supposed to be entirely realistic, but they, they look amazing. They are truly intimidating. And even some of the costumes are in here. are Great. I really did enjoy the visuals because of the contrast, as I mentioned before, of the boring, bland, uh, normal world. And then the bright and colorful, uh, Peculiar Children. It's just... It's the perfect contrast. And it's... The color palette is gorgeous.
6: Well, it's great to hear. I always like to see... Kind of visually uh, stimulating films. Speaking of visuals... How are the shots? How's the cinematography?
1: Cinematography is great. I feel like this is... As Tim Burton's vision goes... It's very... It's very well done. This is Tim Burton's visual. And... I just say story-wise... He was lacking... It was lacking as a Tim Burton film, but overall, I suggest that I would give this like I would give this five. Oh, that's how I say, I would give this three out of five stars. It is a very enjoyable film, and I do enjoy the characters and the visuals, but story-wise, it was lacking compared to Tim Burton's resume, which is saying, which is saying a lot. So, if you want to go have a good time, you want to go check it out. Please do. And even if you're—I know people who read the books, they thought it was a a respectful adaptation to the books.
6: All right, I think I know where you're coming from. Uh, Well, thank you, Kiefer, for talking about Miss Peregrine's Home for, for, for Peculiar Children. Of course. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest video reviews of film of new film and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of the Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Finding uh, Dory, available on Blu-ray and DVD. I'm Brandon Sella, and thanks for listening.
0: Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now, you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. Kids Safe, Mother Approved. You're listening to Voice
4: America Kids. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?
3: If you think you've seen online TV before...
4: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network?